0: 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the passage that we all know, the passage that we all look to, the passage that we all run to. You know what? Let's do some scripture worship first, huh? <laughs> I just need to. I just need to do uh, this one here. What do we got here? We, I think the ones that you guys have memorized, Psalm 5, 1, two, 3. Psalm 5, 1, two, 3. Do you guys know that one? Yeah. Is it? Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Hearken unto the voice of my cry, My King and my God. For unto Thee will I pray, My voice shalt Thou hear in the morning. O Lord, in the morning will I direct my prayer Unto Thee and we'll look up. In Psalms 1, 18, I believe, huh? 18, verse 3. I will call upon the Lord Who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. I will call upon the Lord the Lord liveth, and blessed be my rock, and may the God of my salvation be exalted. The Lord liveth, and blessed be my rock, and may the God of my salvation be exalted. We get some more I will call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised. So
1: shall I be.
0: And blessed be my rock, and may the God of my salvation be exalted. The Lord living, and blessed be my rock, and may the God of my salvation be exalted. And Lord, that is what we desire. For you to be exalted and you to be lifted up. You deserve glory, you deserve honor, you deserve praise you've been so good to us and we love you Lord and we thank you for all that you've done and I pray my king that you would come into this place tonight and that you would stand here and that you would speak to our hearts directly that we would walk away changed forever we truly desire to know you more My Lord, my God, Father, please speak to the hearts. Please let them have a real, genuine experience with you. Let this not be same old, same old church, God. Let this not be a time when we come together and just walk away with nothing. But we want something. We come here with open hearts and open ears and open minds to hear what you have to say. Speak to our hearts. Change us from the inside out. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 1 Corinthians 11. 1 Corinthians 11. Communion. Communion. You know, coming to communion and sitting down and drinking the juice and eating the cracker, when I was a kid, I was raised in a church called Believer's Faith Center. It's about 30 people, Right. It was 30, maybe 50 at the max, that church I was raised in, really small, really, uh, it, it was different than what I've, you know, experienced today. But, so we would have communion, but we'd have it with real bread, okay? You know, it's supposed to be unleavened, but yeah, you know. It was with real bread, and uh, it was always Hawaiian bread. You guys know what I'm talking about? That's the bomb stuff right there. <laughs> I would always try to grab the biggest chunk that I could, and I would eat this, you know, just because I, I mean, I love the taste of it, of course. And then, we didn't have small little cups for communion. I mean, we had big ones, like cups like this big, right? I'm just <laughs> saying, yeah. And they were filled like halfway up. <laughs> so I was stoked, you know, to see the communion. It's like, bread juice, bread juice, bread juice, you know? That's what it always was when the communion came around. I was looking for the, ch- I had to grab the biggest piece, you know, from the piece of bread. You know, and the, and it comes in those big round, you know, pieces of I don't know, loaf or whatever. It's just a huge round. And so they would come and pass it by in this way, and I would just try to grab as much as I could. And communion really was just a meal for me. It was just to get some juice and some bread and walk away stoked, you know. Because wine bread's bomb, man. Everybody loves wine bread. And I, I, I missed out on what communion was. I feel like I've missed out a lot of my life on what communion is. I feel like I've missed out a lot of times in my life what this whole remembrance of Jesus is supposed to be. What's the whole deal? What is this? Okay, why is this such an important thing and why are we to do it in remembrance of him? Why? What do I gain from it? You know what communion has been for me for the last, uh, geez, 10 years? I don't know. It's been me coming and remembering that Christ was beaten and me feeling bad and condemning myself for the sins that I'm involved in. And trying to examine so deep that I would get everything right with God. And if I don't have everything right with God while I take communion, then I'm in big trouble. Because i got to make sure everything is okay here before I eat of this, you know, and drink of the cup. And that's what it had been for me for a long time. It's kind of like a funeral service almost, you know. It's almost like a really quiet and still moment where nobody's allowed to move or something. It's supposed to be really just serious and funeral if I can say that. I don't know if that's even a word. But it just feels like... And not that it wasn't sweet, not that it wasn't good, because I always look forward to communion. I love it. Because there was always time when I could get things right with God. There was always time when I felt like I needed to sit down and, and fi- fix everything in my life before I take this. You know, like, okay, you know, Lord, you know what's going on here. Okay, I'm giving it up, you know, and I'm, and I'm kind of fixing everything in my life, per se, when I take communion. Or getting everything fixed. And here in 1 Corinthians 11, I've seen something really different, something really, I don't want to say really different per se, but something that's kind of opened my eyes to what communion is all about. And I hope that you would have years to hear. I want you to gain this tonight. I want you to, wait, to walk away with knowledge of this, with understanding of this, so you can apply it within your own life. So that communion can be real within your own life. It can be something that you do lots, always. Communion everywhere. You my buddy said, Communion over at Ho-Ho's just the other day, eating Chinese food, that's right, amen. And over at Chipotle, and over at Applebee's, or, you know, wherever. Why not? Why not have church everywhere? Aren't we the church? Or is church only supposed to be within a building, within a certain amount of walls? I think it would be really cool if we just, if there was no more church buildings ever. I wonder what the people would do. They'd probably go, they probably wouldn't know what to do anymore. But in Paul's day, in the book of Acts, there was no walls, or they had a temple down the street that they would go and meet in. They didn't pay rent. They met house to house, like we are today. And they took communion together, and they feasted together, and they loved on one another. They appreciated what this whole game was all about. Communion is something a whole lot more than what I think we make it out to be. And I pray that that's what it would be in your life tonight. I pray that you would see that and that you'd recognize that and that you'd walk away changed because of it. It's the most important thing in our faith. It's remembering what this whole game is all about. What, why are we meeting here tonight? Why do you go to church on Sunday? Why do you worship? Why do you witness? Why do you pray, period? Why do you read your Bible? It's all centered around one thing, isn't it? Jesus and what he's done for us. And that's what communion is. But somehow it's been something that has been kind of taken away. Something we do here and there. Something we kind of forget about and do maybe once a month sometimes. And something that I applaud the Catholics for is the fact that they do it every single week and they do it in every single service that they have. Did you know that? In the Catholic Church... The center point of the entire service is around communion. It's around this cup and it's around eating the bread, the body, the blood and the body. It's based all the way around Jesus. That's what the whole point of the service is. When we're taking communion, something happens. We can't forget what this game is all about. Why are a lot of pastors and people burn out today? I believe it's because they've forgotten what this whole game is all about. Today! What if, you started, what if you took communion this morning? What happens? You get a whole new perspective on this day now. You take communion, you remember what this whole life is all about, taking communion, remembering Jesus, what he's done for you, what this is all about, and what happens to your day now. Completely transformed, completely changed. You're not living for yourself anymore. Who are you living for? The king. You deny self. You forget about self. Deny, that word deny means you just forget about yourself. Just get. I was listening to Chuck Smith yesterday, and it kind of reminded, reminded me of something I heard in the desert. When John was telling us just forget about yourself. If you start thinking about yourself and your problems and everything that's going on, you want to happen? You get depressed. Deny self. Forget about self. When we focus on self, we get depressed and bummed out, and life is lame. When we focus on the one, the one who has made life, the good shepherd, our King, Jesus. When we focus on him, Robert, everything changes. Everything is made new. His blessings and mercies really are new in each morning, aren't they? You wake up, communion. Wow, I've been forgiven. This is what He died for. I'm going to heaven. It may be today. No matter what happens, Jesus died for that today, and I don't have to worry about it ever again. This day is secure, locked away, taken care of. Who cares? I'll drink to that. Amen. And we move on in our day. The communion table has been something that I, I don't know. I'm, please, stay with me here. Let's just dive right into this to see what's going on. First Corinthians chapter 11. Let's look at verse 17 together, and I'll start reading. Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not that ye come together, not for the better, but for the worse. Okay. Paul has just finished talking about women. In verse uh, 1 through 16, I believe. And now he's jumping into something new. How do we know that? Because you look in verse 17, what does it say? Now, and this I declare unto you, now what? Now he's changing the subject. So look at the verse before. But if any man seem to be a contentious, we have no such customs, neither the churches of God. Now, and this I declare unto you, I praise you not, that ye come together not for the better but for worse. What is he talking about now? Well, check it out. He's about to say it in the next verse. First of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. For there must be also heresies among you that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. When ye come together, therefore, in one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. So what is he talking about here? The Lord's Supper, of course, and he's changing the subject. speaking on a new subject here. The Lord's Supper, the feast. Let's go back to verse 17. Now in this, that I declare unto you, I praise you not that you come together not for the better, but for the worst. So what is he talking about here? He says, I praise you not. You're coming together not for the better, but for the worst. You guys, what, what he's speaking about here is this thing called the Agape Feast. And he's speaking to these guys, these brothers, these sisters, these people in the church who are coming together not for the better, but for the worst. And that's why he says what? I praise you not. I'm not going to give you any props. You get no props from Paul because of what you guys are doing. The Agape <coughs> Feast, what is this? It's found in Jude 12. There's uh, one scripture reference there to it. But the Agape Feast, what this was, something that Paul instilled. See, Paul hasn't been in Corinth for five years, okay? He was there for 18 months when he was there. 18 months he spent with the Corinthians. And then he left for five years. And this is what is happening. What's happening is they're starting to mess up. They're falling away. They're forgetting what this whole thing that Paul established five years ago is all about. The Agape Feast. What is the Agape Feast? Let me explain. The Agape Feast, Is a place or a time or a feast when you'd come together and, of course, love. What's agape love? We know, that unconditional love. It's the love that God has for you and me. The agape feast is what? This feast that you come together in, it's where the believers, the church, the people, number one, they would come together to remember, of course, what the Lord has done for us. Number one is to remember what the Lord has done for us. So the agape feast, it's like if me and you, okay, we have a potluck, right? Everybody, we're going to have an agape feast. It's a feast of love, remembering what Jesus has done for us. Number one, the purpose of this thing is to remember what Jesus has done for us. That's why we come together. Number two, it was an opportunity for the rich and the poor to come together. And we'll see that here in verse uh, 22, I believe. Just in a second. The second reason is so that the rich and the poor could come together. Okay? The agape feast, so number one is what? To come together, we come to group and we have a big meal. Hey, agape feast, love feast. We're going to come together, and what are we going to do? We're going to talk about Jesus. We're going to remember what he has done for us, communion. And number two, it's a great opportunity for we, us to have a feast so that the rich and the poor to come together. What would happen in this feast? The rich would bring all the food, okay? The rich would bring the food, and the poor would come. And this is why Paul rebukes the people because they're eating all the food and drinking all the drink, and we'll see that in just a second. So number one, the Agape Feast is what? An opportunity for us to come together to remember what Jesus has done for us. It's like we went down to Fridays. So, the whole reason why we're having this Agape Feast, I'm getting a Jack Daniels burger. Yes, I am. It doesn't have booze in it, okay? Jack Daniels burger is a special sauce. It's the best stuff on the face. If you've never had one, go and eat one. You'll be blessed. You will. <laughs> Jack Daniels burger, that's what I'd be having at the Agape Feast. I'd be sitting down, and maybe the rich would pay for the poor, and we'd invite all the poor to come out so that they could have communion with one Because rich don't hang out with the poor, you see? And even in the church, there might be a little kind of tension there. I don't know. And so that was the second reason for this. They would come together in the Agape feast for, number one, to remember what the Lord's done for us, number two, so that the poor could be blessed. They could come in, everybody get some free food, sit down and talk about the king. So let's read together. Now, verse 17, he says, I declare this not to you. I praise you not that you come together for the better, but for the worse. I don't praise you, busters. You guys are coming down to Fridays, and guess what? You're not coming together to remember Jesus. You're coming together to cause a big problem to drink some Jack Daniels and to eat all the food and get drunk. What's wrong with you people? I don't praise you, Paul says. You're not doing for the better. You're doing for the worse. That's the whole purpose. Remember five years ago I established all this for you and now look what you're doing. You're messing everything up. You've missed it. Listen closely. This is what you were to do. It says, first of all, verse 18, when ye come together in the church, what's the church? It's not walls, is it? It's a group of people. When you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. Great, there's divisions among them. Verse 19, For there must be also heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. When ye come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, everyone taketh before other his own supper, and one is hungry, and another is drunk. So what's happening? Verse here In verse 21, do you see that? What's happening is that people are coming together and they are eating the food. One is hungry. Why are people hungry? Because people are coming early and eating all the food. And then number two, they're drinking all the drink. They're drinking all the wine. And they're getting drunk. And then Paul rebukes them for that. He says, what? What? Verse 22, Have ye not houses to eat and drink in? Hello? Don't you have a house to eat and drink at? What are you coming here and eating all the food? This is for the poor people, and this is so that we can remember the king. Don't you have a house to eat at? It's funny how Paul says that. Have you not houses to eat and drink in? Or despise ye or despise you the church of God and shame them that have not? Who's them that have not? The poor. Have you come together to despise them and to shame them? What are you doing? Okay, you busters, you're coming together. This is agape feast. This is for the king to remember what he has done for us so that the poor can be blessed, so that the rich and the poor can come together, have a blast together, love on Jesus together. So the whole purpose of this, and what's happening? You have houses to eat at. You have houses to drink at. What are you coming here and eating all the food for and getting drunk? You're despising the, the, the ones who are poor, the ones who have not. What shall I say to you? He says in verse 22. Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. I like that, Paul. I praise you not, he says. For I have received of the Lord which I also deliver unto you. And this is where it gets into it. So, we're going to jump into this, but just a sec. I want you to understand the context so you can see what's going on. And the agape feast is what? Number one, remember, it's a place where we come together and remember what Jesus has done for us. The love feast. The unconditional love that no one has ever shown to us. Who's shown you this kind of love, Robert. Who's shown you the kind of love, this grace from heaven, that when you slap the king in the face, he gives you five bucks? That doesn't make any sense. We have wronged God. We have run away from him. We have done much wrong. We deserve hell. What does he say? Here's heaven for free. That doesn't make any sense. That's unconditional love. That's an agape love. And that's an amazing love. So don't you want to have a party about it? I do. Let's go down to Friday and celebrate in the name of Jesus. I'm getting a Jack those burgers. I love to eat. Jesus loved to eat, didn't he? Remember? They called him a glutton. Remember that? They accused him of being a glutton. He (coughs) loved to sit down with his boys and just eat and just feast together and just love on each other. That's what I'm talking about. That's what we need to start doing more people. Church? Hey. Let's hang out outside the church more than we do inside the church, huh? How about we love on one another down at Fridays? or? Maybe we go over to somebody's house and just bless one another with some food because maybe somebody can't purchase something at Friday's. We get to bless them and the rich gets to pay for the poor and we get to eat together and bless one another and remember what Jesus has done for us. Let's do that. So the Agape Feast is a place to come and commune and remember what Jesus has done and a place where people can come and be blessed with food. And the people were coming and eating all the food and drinking all the drink, getting drunk, and not remembering anything that Jesus has done for them. Just walking away like they had a big party and we're out of here. And Paul says, I praise you not. I praise you not. can't believe what you guys are doing. That's You're missing the whole point of this thing. And then in verse 23, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, didn't he? Yes, he did. And verse 24, And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take ye, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after the same manner also, he took the cup, and when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as ye drink in remembrance of me. For as often as ye drink this and eat this bread, ye do so and show the Lord's death till he come. Do you understand? Verses 23 to 26 here. Listen up. Paul says, I bring thee the things which I have also received. And he gives out the two things. What? Take ye this is my body which is broken for you. Number two, here's the blood which was shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And Paul says, do this why? For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he comes. What happens when you show the Lord's death? Let's examine this. What happens when you show the Lord's death in your life? What happens when you see the Lord's death for what it is in your life? What happens when you understand and you walk away with what the Lord has done for you in your life? What happens? We must examine this. We must understand this. This is the pinnacle of our faith. This is everything that we believe. Why is the cross so good? See, it, just, it kills me inside because a million Christians will tell you what. So what has Jesus done for you? What's the whole purpose? Well, Jesus died on the cross for my sins. Okay. What does that mean? What does that have to do with anything? What does that mean to me who knows nothing? Jesus died for my sins on the cross what's the cross and why did he die for my sins what did he have to die for what's the whole purpose behind it who cares i could take a little you know animal and nail it up to a little mini cross and say it died for my sins and what does that mean i'm sorry i'm not trying to dog down the cross in any way no way no way but what i am trying to say is what does that mean to you what did that mean to me? The cross has done much for us. You've been healed spiritually. Did you know that? Did you know that? You have been healed spiritually because of the cross. What does that mean, Josh? It sounds cliche as Christian stuff. I know. You've been healed spiritually. That means that you've been made perfect. If you are healed... You're healed completely, aren't you? Healed? If I said my wound is healed and I'm still bleeding, does that mean... No, no, that's not healed. Healed means it's complete, it's done, it's finished. Healed. My wounds are made new almost. All the sin that has been done in my life is done away with. I've been healed. Do you know that? You know what God looks at when he looks at me, what he sees? A perfect man. Did you know that? One hundred percent perfect. But you know what I've done today? I've sinned. And I've messed up, and I've ran from God. But you know what He looks at me as? You didn't run from me. You ran towards me all day long, Josh. What are you talking about? Huh? No, I didn't. I didn't read my Bible. I didn't pray. I didn't even go to. I was I not even come Bible study tonight. I sinned. Didn't you see that? Nope. I didn't see any of it. What, why didn't you see any of it? Because Jesus died for all of that. So when I look at you, all I see is healed wounds. I don't see anything cut. I don't see any bruises. I don't see anything wrong. I see a perfect man. Jesus, the perfect man, gave you his perfect life so that God looks at you and sees you perfect. Do you understand that? So that every single time you sin, do you know what happens? God looks at you and says, I can't believe you're doing such a great job down there, reading your Bible every day. Oh, you, oh, that's my boy. That's my boy. Yeah, when's the last time you sinned? Gosh, you know, are you going to sin lately or what? I mean, come on. And I'm saying, Lord, I've been sinning all day long. Haven't you seen No, I don't see anything. All I see is Jesus. He died for you. And he's healed you of all your sin. And God looks at you perfect, 100% healed and made whole. All your days, no matter how bad you sin, no matter how far you run away from God, God looks at you and thinks you're pulling a Billy Graham. I'm dead serious when I say that. He looks at you and thinks you're doing a great job because Jesus lived a perfect life for you already. So if Jesus lived every day, every second, every minute perfect for you, God looks at you and sees every single minute, every second, every day perfect, made done by you. But he said, it doesn't make sense. Why would Jesus do that for me? Beats me. Maybe he loves us or something maybe we should have a feast about it called the Agape Feast and take some communion and remember that. I love remembering that. When you remember what Jesus has done for you, something happens inside. There's sweet motivation and sweet liberation inside. I can't help but want to bless the King. I can't help but want to bless somebody else and love on Him. I want to do something crazy for the Lord when I realize what He's done for me. You know, it's like when you realize you think back on things that people have done for you. Think about just the sweetest thing anybody's ever done for you. The thing that just blessed you, blessed your socks off. When you think back, it's just like, that. Where are they at? I'm going to go, I'm going to go bless them right now. Motivation. Not only are you healed spiritually, but also physically, too. Did you know that you're going to be healed spiritually, um, physically of every single thing, every single disease, Every single sickness, every, anything that ever comes to you, you will be healed at 100%. Huh? That's right. Every single person that came to Jesus was healed. You will be healed one day, either here on earth, or you will be healed when you get to heaven. You're going to be healed no matter what. No matter what. You're going to live forever. You've been healed. You've been made whole. And so, verse 26 when we read this, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, Ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever, 27, shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself. And so let him eat and drink that bread and drink of that cup. I'm sorry, eat of the bread and drink of that cup. Okay, I want to stop there. I'm going to talk about this. Let's get back to the context of what the scripture is saying here. What is it saying? Agape feasts. We're in agape feasts. Paul's rebuking these people because what are they doing? Remember, they're coming to Fridays. They're eating all the food. They're getting drunk. And they're walking away forgetting about anything Jesus ever done. So, what, what place are they walking away spiritually? Think about it. What if you came here to this Bible study tonight and we had a bunch of food, right? And we had wine out or whatever, something to drink? You come and you just get faded and you just eat all the food, you know? and then you walk away with nothing. Well, the whole purpose of this meeting is the what? Walk away knowing God more. Walk away with a closer relationship with the King. So if you came in here and you ate all the food, and you drank and got drunk, and then walked away, what happens to you spiritually? You're dead. You have nothing. What happens to you physically if you're sick? You don't remember what Jesus has done for you. So how can you possibly be healed? You walk away with no motivation, you walk away with no liberation, you walk away trapped in just the same way you came in. Do you understand that? So when you do not remember what Jesus has done for you, you you have nothing. That's the whole reason why we're free. Do you know that? That's the whole reason why we have a liberating life, an exciting life for Jesus. That's the whole reason why we have a... Gosh, I don't know how to describe it. Freedom, that's it. The chains have been broken off my arms. That's the whole reason why I have the freedom not to drink. I have the freedom not to smoke. I have the freedom not to go and fall into this sin. Not to. Because it just messes me up and trashes life. And so these men were, and these people were coming, what? To the Agape Feast, remember? Eating all the food, drinking. And what is Paul doing? He's rebuking them. And so what does Paul do? Say here. In verse 27. Wherefore, whoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. What's the unworthy manner here? Is the unworthy manner sin in your life? Is the unworthy manner because you didn't read your Bible today? Is the unworthy manner because you're living in sin? What is the unworthy manner that he's speaking about? What is an unworthy manner? What is taking it in an unworthy manner? What it's saying here is what? It's when you walk in, in an unworthy manner and you eat all the food and you drink all the drink and you walk away drunk and you walk away not knowing anything. You forget completely about what this whole meeting is all about. That is an unworthy manner. Do you understand that? You know what I always thought the unworthy manner was? It's when there's sin in my life. I'm drinking this cup with sin. I'm drinking this cup with things going on in my life. Am I ever going to be pure of sin? Jesus looks at me and sees that. But me, myself, am I ever going to be completely free of sin for the rest of my days? I bet I sin without even knowing it in my day. So I guess you're drinking in an unworthy manner every single time you're drinking. Or, Paul is saying here, don't come and eat all the food and drink and get drunk and do this in an unworthy manner. Next, verse 28 but let a man examine himself, so let him eat that bread and drink that cup. And that goes right along with that. Remember, I'm telling you, I've looked at the I all my days I thought that what, communion, I gotta get down in in this, you know, really tight spot and really, you know, Oh, I've got to be focused. I've got to examine myself completely and see all the things that are going on in my life and see if I'm right with God. And, oh, I'm backsliding here. I've done this. I've done that. Oh, well, I can't drink. I've got to confess all this to the Lord. Make sure I confess every single, okay, I'm doing this. Lord, I'm doing this. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. Okay, now I can drink the cup because I'm, it's not in an unworthy manner anymore. When Paul's saying the unworthy manner here is you're coming in. You're not remembering what Jesus has done for you. Look at the next verse together. For he that eateth and drinketh in an unworthy matter eateth and drinketh himself damnation, not discerning the Lord's body. Now this is a scripture. This is a scripture. It's really blown me away for a long time. But listen, please, listen closely to this. I need you to hear this. It says in verse 29, For he that eateth and drinketh in an unworthy manner eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Now what have I told, or what have I in my church and the places that I've grown up in and the teaching that I've always known is what? If you drink this in an unworthy manner, what do you do? You drink damnation to yourself. And so what do you tell non-believers? Non-believers, you cannot drink of this cup because if you do it in an unworthy manner, you're drinking damnation to yourself. That's what it says there, right? But remember, what is the unworthy manner? The unworthy manner is coming in and eating and drinking and not remembering what the Lord's done for you. If you eat and drink that in an unworthy manner, is God going to send you to hell for that? I started thinking this and pondering this after it had kind of been shown to me. My God, I thought this was an agape feast, the feast of love, the unconditional love. Why would God damn me? For drinking in an unworthy manner. For, that's a pretty heavy price, don't you think? So I looked up the word damnation here. You know what that word is? That word damnation is crema or crino. It comes from the root word crino. It means to dis- distinguish, to decide mentally, to avenge, or to go and sue is a great explanation for it. This word damnation here is not speaking of hell. Did you know that? I didn't. The word damnation here is not speaking of hell. The word damnation is Croesus. And it's used three times in the New Testament that Jesus uses it. And Jesus uses it when? When he's speaking to the Pharisees and he calls them crudes and serpents and vipers. Another time when he's talking about blasphemy of the Holy Spirit that you're damned to hell. This word damnation here is not speaking of hell. It's speaking about damning yourself, judging yourself. Like in this way, if you don't discern the Lord's body, guess what you're doing? You're damning yourself. How are you doing that? Like if you came in here, and you ate all the food, and you got drunk, and you walked away without discerning the Lord, what have you done? You've judged yourself. In what way? Remember? You're not going to walk away motivated. You're not going to walk away with anything inside. You're not going to walk away with anything going on, no liberation, no freedom. You walk away drunk and Full, I guess, in your stomach. You don't walk away remembering what God has done for you and so you're not set free. So you walk away judging yourself just like the rest of the world. Judging yourself and you reap what you sow. You don't take communion? You don't remember what Jesus has done for you? You're going to be dry in life. I promise you that. That's why you have pastors after 30 years of ministry who are sitting there and aren't anywhere near as passionate as they were when they were 20. God forbid that I lose this passion. Please, King, don't ever let me. That even when I'm 50, that it never slows down. You think that there would be more passion and more zeal because they understand what Christ has done for them more so in life. That's what the book of Revelation is talking about. When It's talking about losing their first love. Getting away from it. If only the pastor, I sit, if only the 30... 30 years in the ministry pastor, the 50-year-old pastor, if only he would maybe go and get communion, right? And go into his room by himself and sit there on the floor and look at the elements without the church or the congregation around him and say, Lord, this is what this whole thing is about. This isn't about me having a big ministry. This isn't about me having cool stuff or living a nice life. This is about you and what you've done for me. Your body was broken so I could be made complete. You let me go to heaven for free. Your blood has washed away all of my sin and made me whole. I was going to hell at one time and you saved me. You took my life that was going down. I was about to trash it and all the partying and crazy things that I was doing. You took it and turned around and made me free. I can't believe you've done this for me. And watch the excitement and the passion start to build inside a person when they realize what Jesus has done for them. When you were a new believer, when you first understood, when the grace clicked into your mind, how did you feel? I'm not dogging you if you don't feel that way today. Please. What I'm doing is, man, we're all in this game together, and we all have these times. And we need to get back to the communion table and remember what it's all about. It's not a funeral service. It's not a time when you get down, you sit there, and... Okay, Um, okay, that, uh, sorry Lord, I'm sorry, please, don't damn me, don't send me, please. Unworthy manner. He's saying don't come in and eat all the food and get drunk. Brothers, that's not what it's about. It's a celebration about what the king has done for us. Let's look at the next verse right after it clears it up perfectly. Let me read verse 29 again. For he that eateth and drinketh in an unworthy manner eateth and drinketh his damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Remember, he judges himself because he's not discerning Jesus, not understanding what Jesus has done for him. Then what does it say in verse 30? For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. Huh? Now, if that was speaking of hell, how does that verse go anywhere near in context with what it's speaking about? What it's speaking about when you don't discern the Lord's body, what is happening? Well, it says, By his stripes we are healed many of you are sick and weak and many of you are dying or sleeping. Because what? You don't remember what the Lord has done for you. I wonder. You have not because you ask not. I wonder if so many people could just see what the Lord has done for them and realize that what communion is all about, what Jesus died for, and walk away blessed and healed. (coughs) Seems like the only time we call upon the Lord is when a big tragedy happens and somebody gets really sick. Or in a car accident, or something crazy happens. But if there's a little sniffle or a little cold, I'm gonna call him the Lord. My Advil will take care of that, or my Nyquil. Which maybe the Lord will use that to do that. Yes, but can we not ask the King to take care of it? Can we not cast the King and discern and look to Him? Like I said, every single person will be healed one day that comes to Jesus when we get to heaven. But many are sick and weakly among you, and for this reason, many die because you're not discerning the Lord's body. And let's just finish up the rest of this chapter. I'll just read it and then. Verse 31, For if we judge ourselves, we should not be judged, but when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. That word condemned there is the same exact word. It's kreno. Speaking about judging yourself or reaping what you sow. Wherefore, my brethren, when ye come together to eat carry for one another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that he come not together unto condemnation. And the rest I will set in order when I come. Paul saying to us, so brothers, hey, if you're hungry, eat at home, man. Go get something to eat before you come over here. Don't come over here to eat all the food and drink all the drink. Come over here ready to be able to feast on what the Lord has done for us. And remember Him and walk away blessed and motivated because we realize what he's done for us. Communion should be sweet. And an agape feast, what does that sound like? An agape feast? Love feast? When I think of the word feast, I think of like celebration time. Bust open the bottles, crack open the food, it's time to celebrate. Let's feast together. It doesn't sound like a funeral service to me. And I believe that this communion should be sweet, and it should be calm, and it should be reverent, and it should be... You know, just giving the adoration to the king that he deserves. Yes! Yes, yes, yes. But I believe also it should be a celebration for what he has done for us. A celebration. A celebration of what? There's two things. Number one, communion. What is this for? What is this about? Confession and celebration. Confession and celebration. Communion. When I come to it. Confession. What does the word confession mean? Homo legale. Homo legal is the word confession. Homo legal. Homo means what? Same. We understand that. Homogenized milk. Same. Or homosexual. Same. Homo legal. Same. Legale means to speak. To speak same. To say the same. To speak the same. Confession. To say the same. To agree with God. Confession. Number one is to agree with God. Homologale, To say the same. To say, you know what, Lord? You want to know why I repent of this sin or why I come to you <coughs> in confession and confessing to you? This is why. Lord, I agree that this sin is wrong. I believe that, I agree that it's cutting me up. Look at this bloody mess I'm involved in. Look at this. I reap what I sow. This thing is just going to jack me up. I don't want to do this anymore. I know that it's wrong. I know you said that it's wrong, I went and did it anyways. I've wronged you, and maybe be specific about it. Lord, I've done this with Susie or I've done this with Joey and we messed up there or did that, this, whatever. My parents, whatever. Specific. Lord, that is wrong. Why? It's for you. It is for you. Does God need to know that? God knows that already. Do you need to repent of your sins? No, you've already repented of them. God's forgiven you of all of them, remember? We were to confess so that we confess to God so that we can see that this is incorrect. Confess, homo legale, to speak the same, to agree with God and say, yes, Lord, this is wrong. I agree it's wrong. So next time it comes, what happens? they got a firm foundation. you say, saying, you know what? I know this is wrong. And either you're going to boldface do it right in front of the king's face and watch yourself bleed to death, or you're going to say, you know what? This cuts me off. I don't want to do this. I don't want to fall into this. I don't want to have anything to do with it. So confession, homo legale. Communion, homo legale. Speak the same. I agree. It's wrong, King. I'm so sorry. I don't want to do that. I I can't believe I'm cutting myself. Look, I slit my throat, Lord. Forgive me. And God says, what are you talking about? You look perfect to me. You look like you haven't done anything wrong to me. Because all I see is Jesus when I look at you. And the second thing is what? Just that. When I look at you, I see Jesus. When I look at you, Josh Thompson, all I see is Jesus. All your sin wiped away, all of it done away with, all of it taken care of. What? That's right forgiven, done away with. Are you serious? Yes. Every single sin, Josh, you have ever done is forgiven, paid for, done away with. I look at you and I see you perfect. I can't believe you've lived such a wonderful and sweet life. You really forgave me, Lord? Yep. Forget about it. I don't, what are you talking about, huh? You did something wrong? What are you doing? I don't remember. I remember your sins no more. Your sins are as far from the east to the west. Gone, it's done away with. I can't see them. They're so done away with. We need to know that, friends. You need to know that tonight. Listen to me. If you've been messing around, you've been walking away from the King. You've been doing things you haven't supposed to, shouldn't be supposed to be doing. You've been messing around in places, dabbling in things, thinking about things, looking at certain people. You're forgiven. You are forgiven. You are forgiven. Forget about it. Who cares? Forgive it. God doesn't even remember it. Did you know that? He looks at you and sees you perfect. Number one, homo legeo, to agree, to say the same. Lord, I agree. That is wrong. That's incorrect. I've cut myself up. I don't like doing this. Number two, I can't believe you've forgiven me. Celebration. What the king's done giving it up to Him in such a new way, celebrating what He's done for you, <coughs> that you're forgiven once again, that you can't believe He's forgiven you, that you can't believe He's so good to you. What person on the face of the earth has forgiven you in that way? Is there anyone? Assuming somebody wrongs us, and we hold animosity towards them. It's so hard to do away with it. It's so hard to forget. Try to forget the, the worst thing anybody's ever done to you. Try to forget it. Try to forget. It's hard, isn't it? God looks at you and says, I've forgotten it all. It's done away with. Forget about it. Don't worry. It's okay. Jesus died for that. When you understand that, there's this freedom and liberty that goes on in your life. Because you you know what? For a long time, you know what I felt? I'm just going to share my heart with you. When I'd sin and I'd mess up, I had this backpack on for about three or four or five hours, I don't know. And i feel so heavy in my heart and so depressed and down. And I'd have to go and read my Bible or go and pray or go spend time with the Lord or go do something. I felt like I had to do something in order for the burden to be lifted off my back. You know what that is? It's works. I have to do something so I can be set free. And Jesus says, I did it all already on the cross. I did everything for you. You're set free right now in this moment. So if I sin and I mess up, I'm set free immediately. Did you know that? You're set free. The only thing holding you back and putting you down and keeping you down and depressed is you yourself, or the enemy whispering in your ear. You're a loser. Look what you've done again. How could God love you? You can't go to church. You can't worship me right now. You can't read your Bible or pray. And so, you know what the sweet thing to do? If you sin and mess up, break out in a song and worship, and realize that the Lord is looking down on you, blessed, and so excited about what you've done for Him. And we're going to do that tonight. Communion. I want to take communion with you guys. You're my family. And I want us to walk away with something. I want you to look at that cup and look at that piece of unleavened bread and realize that he was broken so that you could be made complete. And realize that that blood has washed away every single sin and it's never coming back. What if I sin tomorrow, Josh? Forgiven. What if I sin a million times on Friday? Forgiven. What if I mess up worse than I've ever messed up in my life? Forgiven. 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 Forget about it. Don't let it burden you down. Don't let it weigh you down. Romans 8. One, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Are you in Christ Jesus? Then stop condemning yourself in the name of Jesus today. And maybe you need to go to the communion table a couple times a day. I love to. I don't care where I'm at. What if I don't have elements? Praise the Lord. Lord, thank you for this cup. Thank you for this body. Man, King. Hasn't the Lord been good to us? Hasn't the Lord been good? Done all the things that He said He would. Hasn't the Lord been good? So love God. Hate sin. Reckon the old man dead. Love God, hate sin, and by the Spirit be led. Do it, and you'll be blessed. Can I I read through a passage just real quick? It's just a celebration in the Old Testament that I wanted to show. It's an illustration for community. We didn't get to it. Now I get to break it down, but I just want to read it to you and I want you to see it, okay? It's in 2 Chronicles chapter 30 if you want to turn there. We're going to take communion after this and we're going to celebrate what the king has done for us. He's been a good God. Yes, he has. Hasn't the Lord been good to us? Hasn't the Lord been good? Done all the things that he said he would, hasn't the Lord been good? So love God, hate sin, reckon the old man dead. Love God, hate sin, and by the Spirit be led. 2 Chronicles chapter 30, verse 21, we'll start there. And the children of Israel that were present at Jerusalem kept the Feast of Unleavened Bread seven days with great gladness. I love that. They were glad. The Feast of Unleavened Bread... Is a time when they would remember what God had done. Do you remember when He was in Egypt and He killed the firstborns? Remember the Passover? Putting the blood on the doorpost and all that game? Yes. Feast of unleavened bread, seven days. With great gladness they had it. They remembered what God had done for them. With great gladness! With great gladness. Not with sorrowful hearts and all bummed out and down on their lives and condemning themselves because they can't get it right in life. I can't get it right either, you guys. Only if you could see my heart. Only if I could pull back and you could see the sin in the last week. We'd all be on the same level. And we all need to celebrate together. And you say, Not uh, Josh, you don't know what I've uh, you don't know what I've done. My hands are dirty just as yours are. But there's one who has washed them clean. And made everything right. And so we get to what? With great gladness. Celebrate the feast. And the Levites and the priests. Praise the Lord day by day. Singing with a loud voice. With instruments unto the Lord. I love that. Singing with a loud voice. It wasn't quiet. I will be loud. So they said. And that's what they did. Singing with a loud voice day by day. I love that phrase. Day by day with great gladness. And Hezekiah spake, or spoke comfortably. I like speaking comfortably to you guys. And to all the Levites, the priests, that's you guys, sons and daughters of God, that taught the good knowledge of the Lord. And they did eat throughout the feast seven days, offering peace offerings and making confession. I like that. Making confession. To the Lord God of their fathers. Making confession. What's confession? Homologo. Speak the same. Agree with God. Number two. Celebrate. You're forgiven. Verse 23. And the whole assembly took counsel to keep other seven days. And they kept other seven days with gladness. It was joy, man. It was happiness. It was peace. (coughs) Stephanie, you know what I'm talking about? Real joy, my man. Real peace in your heart. Walking away blessed more than ever within your life. Verse 24, For Hezekiah, king of Judah, did give the congregation a thousand bulls and seven thousand sheep. And the princes gave the congregation a thousand bulls and ten thousand sheep. And the great number of priests sacrificed themselves. And all the congregations of Judah, all the congregation, who are we? We're the church right here. All the congregation, that came out of Israel, and the strangers that came out of the land, and dwelt in Judah, rejoiced. I'm talking about rejoicing, lifting my fist up in the air as high as I can, and saying, Thank you, Lord, so much. I will rejoice. I will be happy. You've done much things for me. Man, when I was in the desert, we had some amazing times of communion, man. Where I'd stand in front of the guys and I'd get finished teaching or something with up in communion. I love I'd lift the cup to the guys, like a king or something, you know? I'd like, brothers lift your cup with me right now. Lift it up to the King of Kings, Lord of Lords. And remember what he's done for us. And they just start going off. They'd shout at the top of their lungs and thank you, King, you are so good to us. You are the great and mighty conqueror of the entire universe. We fear you, we love you, we praise you for what you've done. You are gracious, O King. It was a great celebration. It felt like a movie or something, you huh? know? It was a real thing. They rejoiced. And verse twenty six to end it. So there was great joy in Jerusalem. For since the time of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, there was not like in Jerusalem. I can't believe that. There had not been this kind of joy since the day of Solomon. I can't believe that. And you know what? I feel like within a lot of our lives, there has not been that kind of joy in a long, long time. We have not been set free and rejoiced in the Lord in such an amazing way. Maybe never. I don't know. But I'm talking about celebrating what Jesus has done for us. I'm talking about getting excited about what the King has done for us. I'm talking about loving taking communion. I can't believe, Lord, I did this wrong, and man, I'm sick of cutting myself, and I'm sick of bleeding, but thank you for forgiving me. We shouldn't be focusing on the pain of the cross. We should be focusing on the gain of the cross, what we gained from it. It's not a funeral service. Are we supposed to understand what Jesus has done for us? Yes, that was a brutal beating and it's not to be taken lightly. But the whole purpose of it is to realize the gain that we receive from that and praise His name and rejoice and sing praises and great just song of your heart to the Lord for what He's done. Do you understand what this communion game is all about? It's celebrating Jesus. It's celebrating what He's done for us. And I want to start doing it at the study every week. I want to celebrate with you, brothers and sisters. I want to have a party in the name of Jesus every week. If you've messed up last week, who cares? It's forgiven. You're going to heaven, and it might be today, and it might be tonight, it might be in 36 seconds. We're going to be out of here. We must remember what the Lord has done for us, and so we're going to do that. And Lord, oh my Jesus, the great and mighty King of the entire universe, that's who you are. The one who has formed our hands and our eyes that we can see. You have touched us with your own hands, molded and shaped us. You, Lord, have died for each one of us individually. You have done much for us, and I thank you for that. My God, would you take these words and hide them in our hearts forever? Please. Please. Would you help my friends here? Would you help me? Lord, to take communion, to remember you, Lord. That is the whole reason why we live. May I do that daily. May I do that hourly, Lord, in my mind, in my heart, remembering what this is all about. Remind me, King, I'm sorry I forget. Forgive me. Thank you for forgiving. Thank you for setting me free. In Jesus' name, amen.